Well, here uh, at, at my household, the uh, the children's uh, viewing uh, menu. I, I don't know what you would call it. There, what 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 they like watching? Uh, Pokemon the has entered. Yeah, there you go. The Pokemon has entered back into the playlist, so to speak. And uh, so you know, you got. We were watching some of it, and uh, we somehow switched over to like. I don't know if it's the original Pokemon, but you know it's like the four-three aspect ratio Pokemon Whoa. that you can tell is old. The classics. Yeah, and and it was reminding me uh, uh, of something that I, I try not to remember because you know why would you remember things like this? But like, I just I I don't like anime. I don't think it's good. <laughs> <laughs> like I think I think there's some creative ideas and stories and like. You know, I, I appreciate people's efforts and things like that, but just like the final product is just like I'm not interested. You I, should I talk think... to my wife. We yeah, went I... and saw the, uh, the the Spider-Man movie, and uh, she's like, "That was a pretty good cartoon." And my son lost it. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just think that as a form, like I don't like the style of it, like the whole whatever the style is. And also, I feel like I don't know if this is like a cost savings thing or something, but they don't really like move very much. Oh, that's like that's that's because they crank it out in volume. Yeah, and so they'll just be like this still image, and sometimes it doesn't even move, and there's talking, and then sometimes it's just like the mouth that moves, and then their hair is outrageous. It's just like it just. I mean, I could go on, but I was making me realize that I just, I just, I really don't like anime. Did, I, did I don't, you ever I don't, watch like Hanna Barbera cartoons? They they did the same thing. They barely moved anything. That's true, and and I I think I would ding them on on the uh, the goodness scale because of that. They also were uh, were pretty cheap. Now maybe you know if if I was the same age as I was when I would watch Scooby Doo and the Hair Bear Bunch, yep. and, like I would I wouldn't care, and I would like anime. But I really didn't encounter anime until much later in my life, uh, and and College. you know with with that eye, I, I just kind of like I don't really you know. It's 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 no like you know Little Mermaid or, or Snow White or something like I, I don't I don't really know what's going on there but you know I I realize I, this is not a judgment thing it's just my personal taste you know some people don't like meatloaf some people like meatloaf with hard boiled eggs in it who who knows right some people like a Dijon sauce other people prefer a mayonnaise sauce some people don't want any sauce maybe a tomato sauce so, uh, you know I think most people like a roasted tomato salsa i i'm not in favor of it i don't like roasted tomatoes i like a very fresh salsa are you still talking about meatloaf <laughs> uh also i hear people like kind of live and die by ketchup on the meatloaf what's uh what, what what's your position brandon ketchup on top of meatloaf uh i think it's good for the kids i think the the young ones uh yeah. like it's a good entryway into sort of like working your way up to some kind of hot sauce and other things so uh oh i thought you're gonna say into meatloaf land yeah well i don't know meatloaf it depends you know as we kind of we were discussing there are many types of meatloaf varying uh flavors and uh quality so uh meat uh, ketchup on some bad meatloaf is good is a good decision mm, yes think. but i think overall like you know you kind of want to age out get yourself some better meatloaf and then maybe just some you know, some hot sauce right get yourself yeah. some uh I like some, that. some of your favorite hot sauce that'll actually you know as you get older that'll probably be what you want to go for and now i like where you're going there because that i'd never thought of this but if you if you had the right seasoning you could think of meatloaf as solidified chili and, yes and right. maybe put or that another on. version of like hamburger helper there's a lot of like when you're in yeah. the meatloaf zone you're close to lots of things like kind of ground <laughs> beef bread like 
you know, you're, you can be close to lots of different meals there for sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I think I should, I, I, I need to spend more time in the meatloaf zone. I, I haven't been there <laughs> now. I know, I know you don't eat meatloaf, Matt Ray, but I no. know you must have a, a life full of theories and, and feedback <laughs> and input <laughs> about ketchup on meatloaf. Um, you know, uh, when I was a kid, I, I definitely ate it that way. I think, um, I think in our household, uh, the meatloaf was unadorned and, you know, the oh. ketchup was available on the side. I don't know if that means like, I, I wasn't, you know, paying attention. Maybe my dad was eating something more sophisticated, like a little A1 or something. I don't know. Mm. Oh, mm. oh, hey, wow. I, I'm just saying like ketchup is like an entry level uh, oh. condiment. You know, it, it's your, you know. I mean, you're going to step it up once you start discovering a little more flavors and, you know, be willing to try different things. I mean, you know, we, we, uh, last night we had, uh, like, you know, burgers and fries, uh, and, and a salad, of course. But, uh, oh, you know, <clears throat> but like the number one sauce, it wasn't the ketchup, it was the aioli. Like, oh, and, and yeah. you know, that, that's the fries. Wow, man. I, I, I know. Was- Wow, that, I'm surprised. I feel like ketchup. I agree with you 99 percent times. Oh, you got to you got to check out, uh, and I'm sure this will make the uh, the the aioli uh, <clears throat> purist cringe. But you know, the Heinz has a big thing of uh, garlic lovers aioli, and oh, yeah. it makes a pretty good dip. I mean, I know what I'm about to say is inaccurate, but I feel like aioli is just mayonnaise that's hard to pronounce. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that's a reoccurring theme on our show is that aioli is just fancy, fancy mayo. And Heinz has run with that. Uh, if you hold up the ingredients, I'm pretty sure it's the same thing. Yeah, maybe just the quantities of them or something, but whatever. It's kind of, kind of ridiculous. Well, speaking of uh, fancy things, there's a new Magic Quadrant out. Uh, the Magic Quadrant for DevOps platforms. Now... Uh, someone in our Slack channel, which you could join if you went to softwaredefinedtalk.com and click on the Slack link. We have all sorts of conversations throughout the week between episodes, not only on stuff we talk about here, but other things, both very serious as it goes and, and inane as well. There was there was some discussion of, if I'm not a podcaster, should I be using a shotgun mic so you could uh, <laughs> log in and see what's going on with that? Anyhow, someone shared uh, a uh, a picture of the Magic Quadrant. And I thought we were going to have to just sort of riff off an image, but then uh, Red Hat seems to have uh, licensed it, so you can go click on it and download the thirty uh, six page uh, Magic Quadrant there. Now, I uh, I'm, I'm glad they have it because I wasn't really sure what this category was, uh, but it's defined as as you would expect it would be. And let me let me just get through this definition and then and then let's let's take a look at it but it's uh gardner defines devops platforms as those that provide fully integrated capabilities to enable continuous delivery of software using agile and devops practices good cool these capabilities run the gamut excellent use of gamut now if i bet there's at least one analyst at gardner who's like totally got the word in these cap- capabilities run the gamut of the software development lifecycle sdlc and and include product planning, version control, continuous integration, test automation, continuous deployment, release orchestration, automating security and compliance policies, monitoring, and observability. DevOps platforms support team collaboration, secure software development, and measurement of software delivery metrics. Now, I always forget which way the Oxford comma goes, but they do it the way that I don't like, which is uh, they don't have it for the, yeah, they don't the have last it. thing. But that's fine. Uh, that's not, you know, they're not 
lexical analyst. <laughs> that, that that's not the source of, of irritation for me with this sentence. <laughs> yeah, and and I, I think I think now let me read something else when they get to GitLab, and GitLab is. You know, they've. I think we even talked about a magic quadrant that did this last week. But if if you got out your uh, your protractor, your compass, or whatever, and you tried to like do a pixel calculation of which dot is in the lead the most, I think Microsoft and GitLab were tied on about a forty five degree slant up there oh. in the the right right quadrant there. But so if we were to read the GitLab one, it should give us an idea of what this category is as well. And it says, GitLab is a leader in this magic quadrant. Its DevOps platform is a single product, integrated, right? That's my commentary. Because they've got like nine pillars. That includes capabilities for planning, source code management, continuous integration, deployment automation, observability, application security testing, software supply chain security, compliance reporting, value stream analytics, again, no comma, and incident management. Uh, so, you know, I think, I think that is, uh, that's, that's a, that's a, uh, understandable definition. And, and the way, as I was reading through the, the, this, this, uh, category, uh, description, I was basically thinking like, I think it's everything between application frameworks and whatever the equivalent of chef and puppet is now. And then, of course, underneath that bottom layer is like all your Kubernetes cloud native stuff, right? So it doesn't include the middleware, and it it doesn't include IDEs for themselves, but it does include support and integration with IDEs. But it's really like, you know, all of the, uh, uh, I think they had a previous one called the value stream something, but it's all the stuff that drives your pipeline, more or less. But then also... Uh, I don't know if they like name check the internal developer portal thing here, but like you could kind of predict in the future that uh, probably the IDP sort of MQ people and these people are kind of like, hey, who's going to be here next year? Only one of us. Right. So like, you know, they're they're pretty I've talked with a few Gartner analysts and that was very accurate of of how they talk. (laughs) Uh, But but, you know, there's a lot of overlap between like, let's say the UIs and the collaboration stuff. And in fact, Atlassian is also up there in, in, in the leaders, uh, whatnot. And, you know, I do feel like this captures a certain bundle of, uh, developer collaboration stuff that used to be thought of as a category that I don't even know the name of anymore. You know, like if you were to, uh, be a rational developer as as in the brand, like you would have all of this stuff or like all these things. Right. So, um, Yeah, and you know you can you can go check out the Magic Quadrant uh, for for where people are positioned. My my organization VMware is on there, as is you can guess Red Hat from uh, you know maybe people who aren't in a Magic Quadrant or license it just for funsies. But I in this zero interest rate uh, or, or like not zero interest rate environment, I don't think they'd be throwing around money like that. Uh, so you know what's what's your thoughts, Brandon? You've participated in many Magic Quadrants. You've you've done the uh, if I'm pronouncing that word correctly the osprey, cut opening an animal, predicting the future by looking at its intestines. I think you know all the intestines of the magic yep. quadrant here. Yeah. What's yes, what's I going do. on here? Well, one I guess the intestines really are the Excel template that all the analysts fill out. So it's you know usually like a you know, ten to twenty tab Excel template. You put all this information in and then you send it back to them. So that's the the secret of the magic quadrant is it's all just a bunch of data in Excel that 
you provide to um, to the analyst, and then the analyst, I guess, go do some of their own interviews. But that's that's the sausage making. So, well, this one, I mean, like kind of my other ones. I mean, kind of my standard critiques here. I think just for uh, kind of form and function, like I think you kind of hit it. Why, Cote? Uh, <laughs> it's sort of like the trademark uh, forty-five degree uh, offset of the leaders. Again, right, Gardner? It's always good when possible. They always want to have like the two that you're kind of debating makes for a good conversation. Um, whenever possible, I feel like Gardner always goes there. Of course, they always stuff it full of like, you know, kind of the platform vendor we talked about before, GCP, AWS, uh, Red Hat and VMware. So again, it's like, yes, they have this functionality, but like they're really platforms. So I don't really think of it as like, you're not going to pick AWS because of this. So I always feel like that's just sort mm. of like, just kind of pointless fodder, right? It's like, it's the default. Well, but like, but, it, but it, yeah, it lets you know, like where doing nothing lands, lands you. Right. But it's just like, I, I agree. It's, but it's just, it's kind of like back to, uh, uh, yeah, I got French fries and I'm pretty sure there's ketchup. Like we don't really need to go over ketchup. Like we oh, can just have, move you, on. You haven't, you haven't been to Australia. We have to uh, ask for it. We, we can move on from that. So I don't know. I always think it's just sort of, it just like, cause what you really want, I think if you're consuming this, I think it's, if you've chosen one of those platforms, what you want to know is what, when would I need to go away from the default services provided? Mm, right. Yes. And when would I, and what, why would I do it? And what would I pick? So that part, I think, again, it just sort of like, it, you know, litters the magic quadrant doesn't make it readable. Also I, I the Microsoft, I'll let you go here. And just one, one other one point, Matt, it's like the Microsoft one, they really just need to rename that GitHub, right? Cause that's sort of what they're doing. And they, I know Microsoft owns GitHub and then Microsoft has two, uh, you know, offerings here, but really that's, you know, that's, they should have at least put it in parentheses because that's what it, they're saying. I think they're saying GitHub is the leader yeah. compared to GitLab. So that, so again, like back to like, if we're, you know, if, if we're a gardener and we're trying to make this digestible and easy for people, like that simple parenthetical addition, you know, would be like very, very helpful. And then mm-hmm. again, maybe, you know, I, I, I did say, I'll let you go, Matt, but like maybe just color the default platforms, like give them a different color and be like, Hey, like you're probably, just kind of want to know that they're here, but you're not really looking. I don't think you're reading this to learn about AWS and DevOps platforms. I think you're you're probably here because you're like, oh, I picked AWS and it doesn't do something <laughs> I want, and now I need to look at another one. Go ahead, Matt. Well, I I, I disagree completely. <laughs> uh, I mean, my, my my thinking is with with AWS and GCP, um, it's the one you get with your platform, but they're, neither one of them are completely free as far as I know, right? Um, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I, you know, you're going to pay for uh, some aspects of them. So it, it's definitely not completely free, but I think it's worth noting if you were to, if you're an AWS shop and you stuck with AWS, here's where you would be compared to everyone else. And that's, mm. what, that, that's what makes having them in the quadrant more valuable. And somebody perhaps who hasn't chosen a cloud who is coming at this from the like i'm gonna go all in which cloud would give me the best experience might want to see microsoft there rather than github you know they might say like oh well if 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 you know i'm gonna go in on this you know ci cd pipeline product uh, parenthetical hype you know uh whatever i i can't stand the name devops magic quadrant so but i'm that guy um but anyway, uh, just if somebody like, I just wanted like read. Let me just read for you what uh, Gardner offered up uh, for AWS. This is the the final bullet right before they get the kind of the summary sentence that they all give it. So this is what they wrote: AWS code services are a good fit for organizations seeking DevOps tools with native integration for other AWS services. 
Yeah, that's yeah. it. So you but know, if you're I all don't know. I don't know, it's like ketchup and, and, and you're lazy, and you, like and you want one bill. Yeah, I know, but it's just like it just adds nothing. Like it's like there's nothing there. They they like they oh, you mean, that's their description is like there's no information oh, that's not that, that's obvious. horrible. No, no, no. I I I want an actual comparison that that says you know like hey, did you know that AWS provides GitHub or Git uh, as a service? And you're like. Yeah, but why would I use that, right? And I'll just read um, one more. I'll just read one more and make my point. Strengths. This is the strengths. This is just the bullet that lists for the strengths uh, for AWS. The strengths are bullet. Integration with AWS cloud services. I won't read the rest of the bullet, but that's it. So it's like, again, it's like, what's, <laughs> I mean, it's just, there is nothing here. There is no information that is actually helpful to anyone, I think. So that's my whole okay. point. About, like, so, 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 so rather than like, you know, Leaving it out like you say, and and using it as a valuable comparison tool, like I say, they met us in the middle and gave us, you know, a white bread sandwich. Thank you. That is, yeah. That is just yeah. So yeah. it's just uh, no. I do think what you were getting at before is kind of the interesting part. Is like I, you know, I kind of go back and forth on this. Like you know, it is technically magic quadrant for DevOps platforms, but I feel like everybody stops reading at DevOps, so it gets shortened to like the magic quadrants for DevOps, which of course. We can get into a long discussion of like, you know, DevOps, this is like, you know, a methodology, a framework, uh, you know, an attitude, whatever you want to call it. It's not really a set of tools. Uh, so it does feel like you could just kind of call this like, you know, magic water the, the code automation yes. or yeah, uh, magic automation. of like continuous. Which was probably the name. And then like, you know, once the, you know, puppet and chef had been killed off, like they were like, well, nobody's going to fight us anymore. <laughs> but this is kind of to the point of like, where I just think of like, if, I know the goal of this is to provide information. So it's like, okay, make it easy for people. Like, don't name it DevOps because you're further clouding an already relatively, at times, a difficult or confusing conversation. Just call it the tools and call it automation. But like, again, that doesn't sell as well. I think we lost this battle like five years ago when Azure DevOps became a thing. Yeah. But I still think we should just like look at it and be like, hey, the goal of Gardner, as they would tell us if they're on this call, is like they're trying to educate end users and large enterprises on, you know, what to use and how to be more effective. And it's like by naming it DevOps platforms, you're not doing that. You're confusing people <laughs> about two things that are, you know, there are sets of tools that you can adopt that may help you with DevOps. But there are also just sets of tools that may help you with automation that are kind of completely divorced from a larger methodology discussion. And if you made that clear, that should be like the first part of this, like should be a little disclaimer. It's like, hey, people get confused all the time that DevOps and DevOps tools, but let's make it clear in this year that we're going to look at the tools for automation, right? Or even like as I've been advocating for it. And let's also say like, maybe at the beginning, say like, we've listed the core platforms here, but we expect that you're going to want to use that really to compare where your platform of choice isn't providing you what you need, right? Then you're going to look elsewhere, right? And here's the information about why we think the other tools may be helpful. Um, but instead, right, it's just like, a, a, you know, some kind of weird looking ranking. I don't know, Chris, what do you think? <laughs> yeah, yeah. De- DevOps is doing a weird job in there. Like, I, you know, I could go either way, right? Like one way to, to, to uh, uh, I don't know who I'm picking up from here, but like it would be, I don't know if this would be, accurate truthful and virtuous but it would be thrilling if like there was sort of like a uh if anyone had this position but if someone like gartner was like sure devops is like all this other stuff but when we talk with organizations there are distinct teams called the devops engineers and those distinct teams do this set of things using this set of tools 
so when we say DevOps, we mean that. Like, yeah. it's cool. And, 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 like, and those all... engineers are disappointed when they go to DevOps days and there aren't 14 talks where each one is just, right. you know, here's the Circle CI talk, here's the JFrog talk. Right. And and so and so like that would actually be and and I don't think Gartner necessarily or or the, I should say the analyst there it's not like there's some gigantic giant up there in Stanford or something named Gartner <laughs> you know that does all this. I I think I think the the Gideon guy is has long since left the scene. Uh and he was probably a regular sized human. Uh I I would imagine. <laughs> Anyhow, like that that would be a fun position and it would be um uh, what's the C word I can never remember? Not coherent or cohesive, but it would it would stick together, um, and uh, like would be that like well, sure, culture, all of that stuff. But if you want that, go talk with Forrester. Here we're gonna talk about like what people are like doing and like what they call themselves. We're gonna tell you the market and the category as it is, not as we poetically would like it to be or or imagine it to be, and so. By by quantity, what de- and and I th- I think this would be true. I, I have no idea. I'm, again, I'm just imagining here. But like by quantity, when we talk with our, as they always say, clients, uh, when we have client conversations, uh, we talk to people who are named DevOps people, and this is what they do. So we are analyzing what exists here, and in fact. In that case, then the word like platform would be the one that was annoying because platform has become to mean a whole different thing, uh, you know, or whatever or not. Uh, So but it is coming up with a name for this is difficult. It would be easy if it was just like your build pipeline. But then they got to throw in like capabilities for planning and all that stuff. And you ah, like all, all of a sudden we're throwing in like project management or whatever you want to call that. Like now we've got, we've got, uh, we basically have like build pipelines and Kanban boards uh, and version control. And, and then they throw, and then observability is thrown in there. And I'm guessing I, I, I don't have access to this stuff, so I couldn't detail this. And also who's got the time. Uh, but like, I'm guessing by monitoring and observability, they don't mean like, you know, uh, data dog because they didn't show up, <laughs> <laughs> or or like you know honeycomb because they don't well, show up. So it's probably the ability for your de- your developers to more favorably instrument monitoring or observ- observability, or even worse. Hopefully, it's not this. It's monitoring observability of the pipeline, which would just be like, oh boy. Right, like that's 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 a whole. <laughs> I, I'd love to just see them, like you know, plop new relic right in this this chart. You're like, what? Yeah, <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, I think you're being pretty generous there. Like, I don't understand why observability is in this at all. It just totally because I'm now just searching the documents in here three times. It's under you know once yeah, in the yeah. definition, and then they mention it under GitLab, Git GitLab, which is just and it's just one of many. They just in the list deployment automation, comma observability, comma you know. And then the same thing, I, you know, Red Hat. And it's like, what if, like, what have we, what are we learning? Because we got, we won't rehash it, but we kind of went through the whole observability thing last week. And it's like, well, I don't understand. Like, what is that magic quadrant to this one then? Like, it just seems completely disconnected. Yeah, you know, like, and, and, you and I think, you know, uh, I, 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 I think overall I like what's going on here. I would just, if I were doing it, I, I the, the major tweak I would apply based on what we were saying is, I would only have it be basically like CICD, right? Like I would want, and maybe they already have a magic quadrant that, that, that does this, but it would just be like, you know, 
here's the build pipeline. I keep saying that over and over again, right? And part of what the Magic Quadrant will be doing would be kind of like explaining uh, by the vision matrix and the other stuff, like how that's evolved to be more than just like automating a build, right? And there's, you know, you can throw in all your your software supply chain, secure and otherwise uh, in there. You know, now is a good time for the footnote to my joke of like, I don't think anyone was ever like, oh, I don't need a secure software supply chain. <laughs> mine mine could be totally not secure totally unsecure so like you know it, it would that category would be in there but i think what you want to do is is and you want to talk about integration to version control but i don't think like version control version control should be a thing all on its own as should like uh team collaboration stuff whatever you want to call that like that should be something all on its own and uh and then probably if you know uh your your monitoring and observability should as well now you could also talk about this is where the 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 uh secure software supply chain comes in you could talk about enforcing policy and configuration settings during the the build process that would be valid but you know the other stuff like i'm i'm not really sure and then they also just throw in like having the dora metrics which you know i guess what you start to get with with all this stuff is they really are trying to find Back to what I was saying, if you had a DevOps service or a capability to your team and you were to like read all the DevOps lore, these are the things that you would end up having, uh, which which is seems kind of accurate. It just ends up being like a weird combination of things, right? That that you would I think what you said having. before, like I just think the heart of it is like when you just kind of in the hallway or you just have a conversation with someone trying to figure this out, it's like, hey. It's kind of just a pipeline conversation. What do you have? What What does your CI/CD yeah. pipeline look like today? And it's totally fair to st- start with at the beginning. It either it doesn't exist or it's very small. Like it's just like a few things are automated. And then you just have the conversation with them. Okay, well, what else are you doing? And here's the places to spend some time. And the probably the biggest bang for your buck is to automate here, here, and here, right? And that's yeah. what I think, yeah. that's what I would want to glean from this quickly, right? It's like, here's the core things you really need to think about to get yourself more automated. Here's what your core vendors are going to provide out of the box. And here's where they're not going to provide something. And if you, if you need that thing, if that's important to you, like here's the other ones you should look at, right? Real like boom, boom, boom. Right. And, and not sort of like, you know, start, the more you start dragging in here, the more it just becomes, you know, I don't kind of meaningless, right. You just see these sentences is just sort of like, you know, like it's already read, you know, they sort of just uh, kind of like say nothing and they just take up a bunch of space, not helping you make a decision. Yeah, and the other the other thing is again, I don't have access to all this stuff, so I don't read over it. But if 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 there is some sort of and and usually within Gartner, there's like at least two, if not more, competing ones. But if there were some sort of like ideal reference architecture or model of what the stack of stuff you have to like run an application is, right? And and they've kind of like, uh, you know, your typical three tier or whatever, like just the, the big burger that you have. And, and you know, if they went in and kind of like drew out the blocks of it, and then one of the blocks they have is like the DevOps platform, right? Then I guess so, like, like this cluster of stuff, if that's the category and all of that makes sense, but it would be great to also see the other things, right? So like for, you know, just just to see how it integrates again with whether it's going up the stack from here, like with the middleware and the frameworks, or kind of like depending on how you draw these diagrams, you know, the actual production stuff that you're using. And then of course if you go down the stack, then you're into like, you know, all your 
your Kubernetes and your serverless or your just like uh, native public cloud services things as well, which I didn't actually go search for it, but it's, it is notable. Um, and this is probably intentional, but I don't think they're like for delivering cloud native applications. It's just like, this is for any application. You could be delivering a COBOL application for all that we care, right? I'll have to go actually verify that. But like, it is very, uh, uh, um, what's the word? Uh, separated out from exact infrastructure that you run on, which, which also I could go either way there. I don't know. I, you know, I'm, I'm, as, as, as I get older, I'm always about like, yeah, culture's great, but tools are what really matter. And, uh, <laughs> and maybe I, that's just the way to summarize this entire thing. It's just like, I would almost summarize it like just sort of like, hey, if your core platform vendor, in this case, Red Hat, VMware, any of the hyperscalers are not providing what you want, then Gardner says you should go look at GitHub, GitLab, and Alassian. Yeah. Right? And, and it, yeah. if you really are, and if you have something more obscure, like there's a couple things in here, like uh, CloudBees, they cited for security. If you have something like really specific, then maybe scan the rest of the list and see if they jump up and have something um, really important. But that's kind of what, you know, and that kind of, and I do think that's probably generally what people do, right? It's like, oh, like they're from, like they've, they've adopted a hyperscaler, but they have been using uh, GitLab or GitHub for a while. And they're probably like, yeah, maybe we should take a look at that, right? Like that's got yeah. some stuff. And that's kind of like they know both platforms or they're kind of like comfortable with both. So, you know, makes sense, right? Just make your best choice. For yeah, that. yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I, I like, like I keep saying, I like the general project going on here. I think just what you got to do is you got to like uh, give over some of the stuff to the, the IDP magic quadrant, the internal development portal magic quadrant. And then just like d- don't worry about monitoring and observability. That's, that's the more locks thing. The, the 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 DevOps uh, fancy folks don't need to worry about it uh, as much as they like to talk about it, but it doesn't really fit in here very well. And then sure, you could call it like, you know, the DevOps build pipeline slice. How about that, huh? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I yeah, I think I think also maybe you're not allowed to like use the word DevOps. That that might be a fun challenge for twenty twenty four. Uh see see what happens. Uh or maybe only use that. Something extreme. I know, Kote, I wanted wanted to get your, before we move on, your grammatical uh, interpretation of this. So they don't capitalize platform after DevOps, after once it's outside the title. So it's like, that means the proper noun is just DevOps, right? So platform is just modifying it. So that would make DevOps the thing, I believe, right? So so I think that's kind of interesting. Like, if you really want to dig into the weeds, like, they're saying DevOps is the thing. Right. And oh, no, like, well, okay. You know? So that, that, so, that, that's, that's the defining thing of this. However, I mean, if we re- to, 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 to play around in the weeds as it were, what it does imply is that there are other types of platforms that are not DevOps platforms, which, which opens a whole other, a whole <laughs> other intriguing line of inquiry. Yeah, no, it does. It does kind of like, if you get into the grammatical weeds here, it's like, I'm not totally sure what it's saying there. You're right. Like, what is the other platform? And yeah, it's kind of, yeah. So, I, you know, I can, I can see having, having back when I was an analyst and, and otherwise debated stuff like this endlessly, like I can see at some point, well, you wouldn't want to call it platforms, I mean, even the word platform in there is weird. Like, it really just needs to be, like, tools. I don't know. The either, I, 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 think, I think the conclusion on the title, and just to do this for pure entertainment value, is just, like, you either got, you, you can only have one of those words in your title. Like, if you want DevOps, that's cool, but then you can't say platforms. And if you want platforms, that's cool, but then you can't say DevOps. You got to come up with, like, you could say... Okay. Are you trying to get them to introduce Dev Platform Ops? Oh, <laughs> dev, dev plat ops, but, but you could, you could say, you know, there was bu- a meeting about this. That was long. I've, you I've, could say, 
you could say build platforms, release platforms, right? You could say DevOps tools, DevOps pipelines, DevOps whatever, DevOps operations. Whoa, DevOps ops. That would, DevOps squared. I, I think that's what you want to call it right there. I don't know. I think they have some work to do. I think I, I just, that's what I would, I'd send them back and be like, Hey, you know, maybe let's throw this through chat GPT a little bit. See if we come up with some, some, some better language. So we'll see. Yeah. We'll see what they well, do. Well, well, you know, it's a, uh, I, I think, I think uh, you'll, you'll enjoy reading it. If you listen to our podcast and uh, you can go, you can go have your friend Johnny Legion get a copy or, or your, yourself uh, easy enough to get a hold of it's a, here's, here's a, here's a pro tip for you. Uh, I have found that a lot of the licensed Gartner stuff, they send you off to a web page somewhere. Uh, what I would do is just print that to PDF, and then you can keep it forever in your uh, your treasure box uh, that you'll force your kids. They'll open up your treasure box, and they'll be like, what's going on in here? And uh, it'll just be another thing that they have to uh, spend some time valuing for the estate sale or arguing over and destroying the relationship after you're dead or hopefully just getting rid of. Uh, and deleting but you know what about the valuable highlights that you added to it and the, the marginalia and and things like that uh which uh you know by the way there's a lot of apple announcements this week very exciting <laughs> all, i'm all into them but but we should narrow in on i think there was there's there's some potentially exciting developments in the world of pdf annotating that uh i i think uh, it'd be good to get some opinions on. Now, I, I of course, I, I haven't, I've just seen what everyone's seen. I haven't tested stuff, but it looks like, I don't quite understand this notion that they announced that now in Apple Notes, which I have been an extensive user of, you can open two PDFs. I guess that means you can view two PDFs or something. Uh, but it also looks like there's better collaborative annotation and note-taking around it. And I, I know this level of detail, which is not that much because... It was a slightly misleading, I think, in retrospect, now that I've read about it, TechCrunch headline, something about uh, Apple competing with Google Docs because of their PDF stuff. And in my mind, I was just like, PDF and Google Docs, those are not the yeah. same thing at all, right? Like, what? it's, it's, it's like, I, I, I don't even know an analogy. They're just different things. And um, so when you do read about it, it really is that like there's uh, just the ability to kind of annotate and uh, for people to collaborate around a PDF, which could be cool. You know, I think, well, I think, I think the, the more important one, don't bury the lead. I mean, yeah, there's all yes, that. Yes, but there's, yes. I'm going to call it the uh, uh, filling out the parental uh, permission slip, right? That part looked great. That yes. was the part of like, it looks like they spent some time and effort to, uh, through the magics of machine learning, they're going to uh, try to identify the fields that usually being like, the name, address, et cetera, uh-huh. and uh, allow you to either both populate it or automatically populate it for you, especially in the cases where the PDF has not been created as a, quote, PDF form. So Ooh. as uh, every parent who's ever uh, had a child attend any school, at some point they, they want you to, like, you know, give all this information into a specific uh, permission slip, and it's, yeah. always, it's always very painful. So that, that part I, I, very one, exciting. I'm just hopeful they, they – I'm sorry, Matt, what did you say? Well, it, it, the the PDF isn't a PDF. It's an image of you know they just scanned scanned in you know their their permission yes. slip and yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. you know saved as PDF. And yep. um, I mean, I, I'm sure you guys know this, but you can't just go hit the like text annotation tool and preview and like type in your thing and paste it onto that. So I've got very like, true. I've got my whole family signatures and already built in where I just slap you know digital signatures on on uh-huh. images and and we're we're already done. 
So I, yeah. every time I do that, I have to stop myself from just using a different font for each field that I'm t- typing in. That, or using some, <laughs> to, to your point, Matt, it, is, it has been doable, but I think it's one. Maybe, uh, yeah, maybe, I don't think most people public has it. not uh, maybe discovered it. But more importantly, it's like, man, it sure would be great if they could just find all the fields and just put in all this stuff on its yeah, own. Yeah. Well, you know, espe- you especially little, if it could populate it for you. That oh, would a little machine the, learning and like fix it because it's probably off by like two degrees where it's a little bit uh, you know, yeah. skewed and just you know, auto and then, you know, whiten it up a bit. I mean, come on. What, what, what are all the speckles on these, these scans? I mean, come on, clean, clean that stuff up. I want a little bit of ML on my scans. That's all I'm asking Apple. Yeah. Yeah. Then, so this, this, uh, I've got a, uh, another, uh, I think this is going to be a breakout session. Maybe we'll have like a like a two minute mention. Well, in, we're going to be the three people sitting in the front row, and then we look back, and there's nobody else in the session, as we're the like three chumps who want to hear about you know PDF automation. And- well, now, 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 hold on, because there will be a room full of people, because this is going to be at Legacy Conf that I'm thinking. Of. Oh, okay. There it's, not, it's not. It's not the Apple thing, and so I think we so might Apple's have like to pull people out of the Legacy. That's the problem. Indeed, I think we might have like a one or two minute like little quick walk on from the customer here in the keynote, you can go see further in the breakout, but I want to call out in a good way, you know, in, in most recently when I've been filling out U S government forms, like passport renewals and things like that, they have actually provided PDFs that yeah. you can just click on and fill yeah. things out. They use and the right form thing. Yeah. They use yeah, they and, made the right form. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's just great. Like I, you know, I, I, uh, I, even though visually when I go fill out these forms, I'm like, this all looks terrible. I'm going to have a bad experience. Like three to five minutes later, I'm always like, that was great. This is yeah. wonderful. No, so to its credit, it, like PDF exists in this weird state of like, if somebody has Acrobat most of the time and they know how to make a form yeah. and they do it right, it's fantastic. Cause you're just like, even if you have to type it, it's just enter type, tab, tab, and you can quickly get through it. Okay. That is the best case scenario. But then it's, as Matt was saying, it's the permission slip from the school where someone used, probably used Google Doc, right? Yeah, they yeah. just kind of made something up. And then, of course, they, they, you know, some use some weird underlying places for like the the form fields, or and it's like you're now you're in a place where it's like, oh, you can't. It's hard to type in, or you have to annotate it, that. and it doesn't really find it, or it, it looks weird. And so that's yeah. the area. And I, I credit Apple. It's like clearly they have children. All the people that work at Apple, I can tell they have children. They're like, we got to fix this. So that was I was I was legitimately excited during the keynote. I was like, good, good to see yeah. it. I'm glad they're working on that. Yeah. So yeah, I think. Uh, uh, that that'll be great to have in there. We'll we'll see though. My my only worry with this stuff, having you know, as as long uh, even medium term listeners remember, you know, I've, I I've tried to use notes many times, right? And uh, I read in one of the press releases there is a a quote unquote big update to the notes app uh, c- coming out. But like generally, whenever there's some sort of uh, let's call it productivity thing like this from Apple Land, uh, it sounds really cool at the start, and then it's like pretty okay. Or you know, fine as it were to use the three fines when it comes out. But then, like you basically end up waiting like three to uh, forever years for anything new to happen to it. That's interesting. <laughs> well, I did look. Why uh, uh, I don't know if you say why. Uh, I, I did look, Cote, and they did not have the feature to uh, import your own background your, for your grid oh, grid stuff. I didn't see that's that. Good. They did have something. I don't know. Are you like a a journal person? They did have a new app for journaling. So I, I don't know. I, I, do, I do write in my journal a lot. All right, I don't know. I, I'm not someone that journals, so I was like, yeah, I don't know. I've, I kind of felt I, like 
could we put the journal team back on the PDF work? Can we get some more PDF stuff? I, I did. Um, I did but, like the one of the features they talked about there, where it might prompt you to do things based on like pictures you had and locations. Yeah, and like and, during and, your day, it's like the last yeah. thing I want is to be prompted to annotate my day. I, I don't. Sure, want that sure. I will not yeah, be using yeah, the yeah. journal app. I can see that now. My uh, that that also joins up with my my other uh, whatever commentary is sort of like doesn't that just belong in notes? Right. It's sort of like, why are you coming up with a whole nother application? And sure, whatever. Like I've used day one before in these things. And like there is a certain like something that you get by having it be a dedicated app. app. But like equally, and this came out, I think, in December of last year, there's this other app they have called Freeform, which is basically like kind of like a Miro type of thing. It's just like a free form. You can import pictures and write on it, but it doesn't have all of the... Um, the snap to grid stuff and all of the formality. So it's really just like uh, a really sloppy whiteboard, right? That doesn't have all the stuff when you digitize a whiteboard. And I, I've used Freeform a lot. I With uh, my old friend Robert Brook, we have one that we share where we just put stuff on there, which is fun. But like the problem with Freeform is like this should just be a type of note in notes instead of this whole other application. Yeah. Yeah. And so like... That's where, like, I mean, speaking of DevOps platforms as a fully integrated stack of uh, things that help you get your software out the door, like, I feel like they need to have a little bit more of that mentality over there in Apple land and be like, we got this thing called notes, and that's, like, where all this belongs, and let's do that instead of, like, now we've got two other applications, and now we got this, and now we got that, so... Well, there was one for Matt. I mean, I don't know, Matt. I don't think you're an Apple TV user, so maybe we'll just call it the international audience. The VPN comes to Apple TV. So for those looking to uh, watch TV from a stat or a specific IP address that may or may not be related to the country, they are or are not in. That seems like that seems like a big win for uh, travelers and people that uh, maybe have their television in one continent and their uh, Apple TV in another. So that one would be fun to watch. That would be maybe there's a prompt in the journal. How do you feel about the ability to watch media from other regions? Is this something that you have gratitude for? It's awesome. <laughs> kind of extract. Yeah, gratitude. Apple had some other announcements, but uh, you know, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the, their whole VR goggle thing that looked pretty cool. Are you going to buy one of those, Matt Ray? Uh, I'm more of a Vision SE kind of guy. I'm probably you know two three years down the road. So you're you're gonna you're gonna get the like a viewfinder? <laughs> well, they had those today. They're called Oculus. <laughs> uh, no, but I mean, you know, where you click on the thing. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, it's it's impressive. Uh, I, I worry about like the weight and mm. um, also like I got five kids, right? Uh, what am I gonna do to? Yeah, how you know, every, get, get I, I, yeah, I, I can't shell out fifteen thousand dollars for. You know, the whole family. Do they sell a family pack? Well, the meta, I think the meta commentary on it, I feel like is like all the people that have like read reviews and things seem to like call out all the things we know. It's expensive. It's new. It may or may not take off. But then the ones that got a demo, they pretty much have all said something like, I had high expectations and it was a lot better than I thought. Oh, yeah, yeah. So so there is clearly like, and I think this is like, until you, I think this is just one of those things. Until you try it, it's probably you know, like probably probably not to have a, don't have a strong opinion until you try it because it does seem like there is a, a real big wow mo, uh, moment of using it. Now maybe it wears off quick, right after you've 
done it. But like, it's even like the people that you kind of think are like more skeptical, they all seem to be like, yes. And it was incredible. So it's like, I, you know, I don't know. It's kind of an interesting thing to try to like bet on. Like, what does that mean? Right. It's like really, really good, but it does have kind of these obvious limitations. So I don't know. It's hard to know much about it. I, I think, I think it more or less, I mean, you know, the, the criteria number one of, of coolness is it actually works. So we we got that going, but like the the only thing that seems like a little annoying about it would be like that, uh, you know, if you were actually video FaceTiming or whatever with someone else, they have that like simulated view of you, which like that could be a little weird, but like, you know, I, you know, just the, uh, uh, here I am staring at like four different screens. It sure would be nicer to like, just have it that right in front of my I think face. You know, I, I think you hit on the thing that that is going to be like to me like the the biggest like win or die or kind of live or die kind of moment for us like yeah like if we could all stop having to buy five six however many monitors we we want to have and like you did have one that you put on and like kind of like when you're already kind of isolated anyway because you're looking at a lot of computer monitors it's like that does seem like potentially like an incredible use case right uh, but I, you know so without putting it on and knowing and seeing it right it's sort of like huh not sure that would work and then, and then, and then, maybe one last thing because I, I like the airpo- airplane scenario. I was thinking, like, if I had one of these things, I would just have to cross the Rubicon of I look like a total dork because you know, like sitting on a plane. If I would put this on, it probably would be I, pretty I think awesome. That's why they charged more. I think uh, they were like, everyone's going to say you look like a dork, but they know you're a dork with disposable income. Oh, uh, yeah, it's like leaving <laughs> the price tag on your baseball cap or something. <laughs> and so, like, but but I noticed. With the one where uh, the per- the person was on the plane, she was wearing AirPods, and and like, because I was curious about like, there's nothing in these people's air ears, and they keep talking about the spectral sound, which like seems like you know those Oakley glasses that have mm-hmm. like speakers on them. Like I always wonder if those actually work, but like yeah, I bet if you are on a plane, little earbuds, yeah, yeah, I bet if you're on a plane, you just go get your AirPod noise canceling pro thing. Yeah, that's basically that's what they said. And that's what I read was like, if you're, you know, when you want to basically be silent, you put it. So it's not just 3,500. I also got to pay, pay out the 300 for AirPods too. But don't you already have some Matt Ray? Are no, you a citizen of any. the world? No. <laughs> okay. I think for you, Matt, we just get you AirPods and we just call it. We just like call I said, it. Uh... I'm an SC kind of guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, we'll just, we'll just get you like a, like a, one of those sweatbands uh, and put your phone in front of your face and wrap that around <laughs> your head. Or, or you can use the ultimate, just nothing that, that would work too. You mm, can have or my just, laptop. just reality, reality, no. not augmented reality. Well, also I think it's notable that we all said, uh, I don't know if I did, we all said machine learning. So uh, the, uh, the, the, the brand people there at Apple, uh, they've won this round of AI versus ML. <laughs> we'll, we'll see what happens next. Uh, well, also, uh, just, to, just to hit on a, a few small things uh, that we have, uh, you know, I think I, I am not a big chips fan, but uh, there's quite a lot going on over there at NVIDIA now, I guess, driven by AI things. And I went and uh, just to see, I went and pulled their, their, uh, their share price chart. And it is, uh, it looks like, it looks like a lot was going on there. It has uh, gone up in value, but then there was this time. It looks like it's a crazy rocky road if you wanted to uh, ride up and down that one. Is that is that some company that you follow closely uh, in your uh, your hedge fund, Matt Ray? <laughs> Nvidia is like the highest performing thing in my my portfolio. I'm, I'm very I'm a very happy camper this last week. Yeah, in the in the in the Ray fund. Yes. Yeah, the Ray fund yeah. is is black back in black. 
Yeah. So uh, we'll, we'll maybe we'll check in on them when we have Chip Corner with with you two uh, ongoing. Mm, I'm so ready for Chip Corner. Uh, <laughs> yes. And uh, and then also uh, someone uh, maybe this was even uh, Brian who uh, uh, that reminds me I, I realized who I was talking about last week when I mentioned Brian I didn't know who I was talking about but uh, it, it looks like Cisco had their conference and they're going to be integrating together a lot of their their software some of their their monitoring their networking stuff and I thought. You know, it was a good opportunity for all of us. But over the last, is it twenty twenty five years? I've I've been around and involved in all sorts of organizations that want to have a better integrated portfolio. And I mean, it really deserves some sort of like thorough PDF study with like graphs and stuff. But I think it's just a bad idea. Just don't do it. Like, <laughs> that's 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 my really quick summary before you have to like sign up for research gate or whatever and download my my uh, academic well you didn't thing. buy you weren't buying the uh because it was it was kind of the mother of all enterprise releases this is just like they're gonna have single sign-on they're gonna have one unified yeah. uh <clears throat> interface they're gonna have uh some type of simplified licensing i mean it is the kind of thing that only the operations kind of people totally like, there's hey. there's no vr here there's like not i mean but they're just like hey this is what we're doing. But we're listen, listen, listen this is the Lucy football of Cisco products, right? I mean, uh, they they have shipped this thing five times. And and every time they're like, this is it. We finally brought everything together. And and then, you know, the 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 graybeard, you know, Cisco folks are going to be like, what about Catalyst 5.1? Right? And then there's going to be the people who are like, does it work if I, uh, you know, maybe have an Arista switch in the building? And they're like, no. And then you're like, well, <laughs> it does seem like I, I would say that kind of slightly different. It's like it does feel like the end of the story is always at the end. Someone secure shells into some weird network device, <laughs> and then you end up running a series of commands, especially if you're like me, you don't really know what they do. Somewhere there's you, a team. Or like you have to like get it right, stuff. and you're like, yes. wait a minute, what is that? Oh, that's how you do, that's how you say the IP addresses, and then like if you just do it enough, eventually you hit on a configuration that works. Then you tell everyone, don't touch it. Nobody touch the network, right? And then. Um, but it does, I don't know. I, maybe, maybe to your thing, Kote, it's like, I was about to say, it's like, well, at least they're trying, but may, maybe that's the problem. Maybe they should just, yeah. they are well, I, I think, I think the slightly longer version of, of my uh, trite little saying is like, Hey, it's a great goal, right? Like, and it's not that you shouldn't, it's not that an integrated suite of software is bad. It's wonderful to, I mean, we just went over a whole magic quadrant about uh, trying to integrate suites together. I just complained that like Apple has an unintegrated suite of note-taking things across at least three applications, if not more. And they also probably still have their Post-it Notes app running around somewhere, right? Uh, so like, it's cool if it's integrated. That's that's great. But like, if you end up with a portfolio of software that isn't integrated, I just think like, again. It would be great if it was, but like I think if if you're looking at it from like a, a kind of a a long term, like even a a multi year product strategy approach, it's like it's probably better just to have like good components, like your your best of breed sort of stuff, rather than the gigantic uh, thing that works together. Because I think much like when I hear people tell me don't come and give a vendor talk, what what they're really saying is don't be boring. I think when people say that they want like they want like integrated software is they're like, I just want this stuff to work better. Right. Like if it's a hassle to have your, you know, have multiple applications work together, then like, of course, you want it integrated. But like it doesn't have to be and that doesn't have to mean integration. You could just like 
have good APIs and use the same like, you know, standards to like integrate with each other, like kind of like stuff on the internet does. Right. <laughs> so like, I, I think the idea of merging together things like this is always, is always, I would put it at like number five or six on the list of things you want to do, but you know, also sometimes it's like, what else are you going to do? Might as well try to uh, unify things together. Uh, but good luck. Have, have, have fun with that. Good luck, Cisco. Well, we're uh, cheering for you. As you know, sometimes it works. I suppose, like you know, people like Microsoft seem to be good at having like a, an integrated stack, or maybe that's just because I don't know them well enough, and they're just the same as everyone else. But speaking of integrated stacks, there's uh, several conferences coming up uh, tomorrow, and on the ninth is the online conference platform con. I have a uh, I have a little fifteen minute. I think it's actually fourteen minutes and 46 seconds or something uh, talk there. I think I'm supposed to log into some Slack channel. I'll leave it at that. Uh, and then uh, January, June 22nd and 23rd is DevOps Days Amsterdam. Uh, I'm actually going to be at uh, Cloud Foundry Day on the 21st, so we'll see if I can make it to DevOps Days Amsterdam. Um, that should be fun, seeing all the Cloud Foundry people. June 27th and 30th, you've got FinOps X in San Diego, where Matt Ray will be attending. Uh, and then there's Kubernetes Community Day in Australia. And then uh, finally, to mention, we have uh, August 21st to 24th, there's Spring One and also VMware Explore at the same conference in uh, in Las Vegas. And the uh, if you want to speak at uh, um, uh, lovely Barcelona in November, which is, is actually fine in November, much better than northern europe in november uh but if you want a, a, an excuse to go to barcelona the uh the call for papers for vmware explore uh eu uh barcelona is still open i think till june 26 you should submit a talk uh, and there's several other things uh including a, a devops days i'll be speaking at that you can look up uh if you go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 418 and if you have a conference uh you're interested in us listing you should contact us and we'll uh, we'll figure something out maybe a little media sponsorship or something so do we have any bureaucracy this episode brandon yeah actually our good friends at the that conference they're they're back too so they're gonna have their conference down here in um texas you know the barcelona of uh i guess austin is the barcelona of texas maybe that's true maybe it's not so right. but if you want to uh more importantly though if you want to submit a, a talk, you've got until I think it starts uh, June 1st all the way through kind of mid-August. So you always want to make sure you get your talk in and then you can get your expenses approved. Isn't that how that works, Kote? So if you want to Absolutely. go to the conference, uh, make sure you do that. And then on the uh, listener feedback, I want to thank John. Sent us a nice pick. He uh, got a software to find talk sticker and he put it on his Tumblr. It looks really good. It's a good place to use in the summer. And then uh, Eric... Uh, on Twitter, he uh, showed off his sticker in the more traditional, just on his laptop. But uh, most importantly, if you don't have a sticker and you want to uh, put it on something, what you should do is email your postal address to stickers at softwaredefinedtalk.com, and I will be happy to send you a sticker anywhere in the world. Well, that reminds me, just a little tip, uh, since you're giving out the, the applying to speak at a conference. I learned this tip from, of all people, uh, you know, super fan uh, graduate of the Harvard Business School, Barton George himself. What he likes to do is once he knows he's going somewhere, even maybe before he's going, he books his hotel because you can often cancel a hotel, especially in your corporate booking, like 24 hours before you show up, right? And 
That way, the further ahead, you know, you can get the hotel you want because it'll be like in compliance as far as pricing. So once you know you're going somewhere, just check if you have to prepay. But if you don't have to prepay and the cancellation policy is 24 or 48 hours before check-in, sometimes it's even day of, you might as well book it. And then if you have to change your plans, not a big deal. But uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, like, uh, it's like an option, right, that you don't have to pay for. You get optionality. Is that a put call or a call call? I, I, I don't really know. I feel, I feel like this is, might be the third down or something. Uh, I've gotten lost. All right. So, Brandon, what do you have to recommend this week? Uh, well, this week I actually watched um, the movie Blackberry, which if uh, – I don't know. I was going to say everybody knows, but maybe not everyone knows. So there once was a device that was uh, very popular, the Blackberry. So this was – basically covers the rise and the fall of BlackBerry. And so it's kind of interesting, you know, on the eve of Apple's latest announcements uh, to go back and kind of watch that whole story. I thought overall the movie's pretty good. I mean, it's a little bit cliched in the sense that like engineers are very, very nerdy and the business people are very, very business. So I'm sure in real life, it's not quite like that, but it did remind me of like just that whole time about like the rise of the BlackBerry, how incredibly dominant it was. And then kind of the movie, you know, uh, kind of comes to an end when, and even use some clips of Steve Jobs in- introducing the iPhone. And, um, you know, in that final scene or around that, those scenes, there, there's this long debate internal at BlackBerry that no, no, the keyboard. And if you remember the BlackBerry had like a little touchpad in the middle and they were really like debating vigorously that, uh, that, you know, no one would use the iPhone, right. Cause the, it doesn't have a keyboard and it's, it's going to take down the AT&T network. And so, um, and I remember that, I just remember that vividly. And then I think Matt, we worked at a company where somebody was a big BlackBerry fan and they got the BlackBerry storm. I don't know if you guys remember that one. That was the iPhone thing. And like, I remember, um, I just remember distinctly being out and they handed it to me and I was started to use it. And like, just like when you did the thing to try to like swipe, it had this very jerky kind of like feeling and it just didn't work. And I knew that, you know, everyone kind of knew at that po- point that like it was pretty much over for BlackBerry. And it's kind of funny because that's, I guess the company's still in business, but it's out of the mobile handset, um, yeah. you know, uh, world as well. So it's kind of interesting. Like, I guess it's for maybe for some people listening, it's completely history, but it's interesting to live through it. And it's also interesting to contrast that because uh, now everyone talks about the iPhone moment, right? It's like, I don't know. You know, as you can kind of see, kind of here in this episode, it's like, I don't know, was Apple Vision, was it like the next iPhone moment? Even now, having seen it, I'm not really sure. Now, I was pretty sure at the time, though. When I saw the iPhone, I was like, oh, that's definitely better. No. <laughs> um, so I don't know. It's interesting. So watch it. If you're interested in uh, uh, that, and it's, you know, it's a pretty good movie, check it out. Blackberry. Yeah, the preview looked pretty funny and, and interesting. How about yourself, Matt Ray? What do you have to recommend? Uh, my recommendation is a book uh, called Because Internet. It, uh, I guess the subtitles, understanding the new rules of language. It's, it's kind of a, a um, linguist view uh, on what language has become in the era of the internet. Um, it's pretty good. Uh, you know, I, it's not new. It's like two or three years old, something like that. But I'd say go check it out. Uh, get it from your library and uh, give it a read. Is there like a whole chapter on emoji? Oh, that absolutely. Seems like, it seems like absolutely. Like a whole yes. area. Yeah, and I, I mean the, the point is, one of the you know early points of the book is a lot of early language was n- nothing informal was ever captured, so you didn't really understand how people talked. And today we live in an age of just mm. nonstop communications and text forms, and so you know people are like, oh, you know, why are people talking in emojis and you know this and that and you know pearl clutching about language? And the author's point is like, there's always been 
very informal rules around language. And um, I don't know. It, it's good because there's a lot of historical stuff brought in into the modern and, you know, uh, and it's it's not like stodgy or anything. It, it's it's a pretty like humorous it. book. I've laughed out loud a few times. Keep so. the English uh, people away from the emojis. Let's keep them. I like that. No, let's, <laughs> I don't, let's not. We don't need any PhD uh, people taking away our emojis. No, I, no. I, I think the height of, I mean, I know it's technically not an emoji, but remember uh, remember back when there were all the rumors of, of Elon Musk buying Twitter and someone someone looked through the text messages and they were like, yeah, he just used the tap back thumbs up thing to approve a $2 billion investment. So that's uh, that's how far we've come with little emoji things. You can just uh, do <sighs> close the deal. Anyhow, speaking of closing the deal, I thought this was going to come later in the month, but I finally got an ice maker. Now, what the one that I ordered is the Kesser Ice Cube Maker. It's got a lot of other stuff describing itself in the Amazon description. But it makes, uh, I, I, I am not an isologist, but it makes those, those bullet-shaped ones that are hollow in the middle. And uh, I have to say, they have, a, they have a very satisfying crunch to them. They're not hard. They're soft. And uh, I, I think it, it can make a fair amount of ice. I mean, it's not really like... Man, I wish it was. I, know, I need more details. More. It's not. Is it technically pellet ice? You know, kind of the sonic ice, as we would say in Texas, or is no, this like a variation no, 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 no. of that? This no, is a, no, no. It it really is, and you can set small, medium, or large sizes. Mm-hmm. And if you were to imagine, almost, if you were, you know, okay, so have in your mind like those Nespresso little canisters that you get coffee in, or that you put into a Nespresso machine. Is that anything? I don't know. I mean, we can, we can, huh. yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, but uh, you know, it's, it's like a bullet shape. It's a bullet. Think yeah. of a really fat bullet, right? Uh, that's kind of short. And then if you hollow, and then that's, that's ice. And then you ho- hollow out the middle, mm-hmm. right? And so that's what it looks like. It's rounded on one end, right? And there's a hole that goes all the way through. And then it's kind of like a cylinder. And it's yeah, maybe. I'm familiar. I think so. I don't know. I, I can't. I don't know if I can improve this purchase. Like, you know, so, you know I just love looking up the GE Opal Ice Maker. That's the one I love. Listen, uh, all, listen. All my passion in the Pebble Ice. And, you know, for those listening, I think we mentioned this before. Starbucks has now made the move to Pebble Ice. So, you know, you know they're onto it, too. So uh, I, I agree. And that's why I've waited um, so many years to order this. Uh, it's because <laughs> I would rather have that one. However... I actually didn't go verify this this weekend when I ordered this one, but like it is just not available in Europe. Like when we I did this get, research before, we gotta get to the bottom of this. We got to get the supply chain. I found I found a UK site that imported them, and then could import them uh, to 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 the Netherlands, which of course is a nightmare because you've got double duties since mm. you know Brexit or whatever. And like then you know and and I, we've discussed this. I was imagining what if I brought one. Yeah, can we put it? Will it fit in a duffel bag? Like, what is that? What are the rules? Do you have to declare it? Does it going to cost you a million euros to get in? No, no. I mean, I think I would just work on it. I don't know. Maybe maybe we figure that out. But like, I I would prefer that. But I think it's just impossible to order. Yeah, sorry, I got this. Fair enough. And and uh, it's pretty good. The 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 three year old baby, she really likes it. She's learned how to push a chair up to it and climb up there and stand on the counter and use the little scoop to get ice. And wow. uh, she and I have been enjoying ice, uh, so that's that's fun stuff. Uh, so check into that if if you're if you're uh, trapped behind the ice wall, uh, the ice <laughs> curtain here in Europe, and and you can't get the GE pellet ice profile, whatever, then at least you can get some good ice on this side of the ice wall. Well, as always, uh, this has been uh, a, a podcast hosted by people on all sides of the ice wall. 
software-defined talk. If you want to get the show notes for this episode with links to things we talked about, recommendations we did, uh, those conferences, and all sorts of other things, including what they call uh, a piece of chicken that has the thigh and the leg connected uh, in Australia, you can go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 418 and find those links. And with that, we'll see everyone next time. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Do you ever wonder, like, what Europe was like before the potato?